0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Quack Report. My name's Carter, and I'm joined by Nate, and we're going to talk some Ducks hockey with you here. Um, as little Ducks hockey as possible, because we are back yeah. to uh, <laughs> it being pretty rough here in Orange County. <laughs>
1: like, oh, boy. Uh, I, I, I honestly don't really have the words for... You know, even calling it a shit sandwich is being too generous for it. Like
0: yeah, like it's it's not even you don't even get bread to like make it a little better. Yeah, it's just it's like a moldy shit sandwich.
1: Yeah, take the okay, y- you know the part in uh, the original Jurassic Park where Jeff Goldblum's character just like it's 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 purely a just for laughs scene, mm-hmm. right? Where it just kind of zooms out on him taking off his glasses to so this giant pile of shit and just goes that's a big pile of shit yeah okay now imagine that pile of shit is not solid (laughs) it is just diarrhea spread out everywhere (laughs) and it's all over the dinosaurs it's all over the vehicles at that point and they're just like driving through it all basically (laughs) you can't see anything it's all just brown that's an image right there that was that game Honestly,
0: I, I, I hope that nobody listens to this during like breakfast or anything, or on the oh, lunch ho- break. I, I, ho- like, I what hope a, they do. I like, hope what they do. <laughs> what a way to ruin your Monday.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? The Anaheim Ducks and their lackluster play ruined my Friday, um, along with That's you know schoolwork and whatnot. But like, God, and you know what? I'm I'm sure their play as well ruined it for everybody that unfortunately paid for a ticket for that game when they were, I'm assuming, on a holiday. Right. That's because true. Thanksgiving yeah. was the Thursday. Right. So I'm i guessing like, as
0: the whole family, like an yeah. afternoon outing, you're going go exactly. to go to Honda I'm center t- with your kids, your cousins, yeah. your brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, like,
1: yeah. So I'm guessing that the majority of people there at least had the day off. Right. Like whether they booked it or it was just a, like a given thing. Right. Well, I would
0: imagine that people who were at work were not at Honda center unless you work at Honda center, but
1: yeah, but like, yeah, but like, the, the majority of people that are at Honda center paid money to go see that shit park basically. <laughs> and it's like, I feel bad for those people. Like that was brutal right from the start, yeah. right from the start. It was brutal on the ducks end. It was brutal on the officiating end as well. And that's something that we'll get into later. Um, It was just, yeah, brutal all around. So, like, if I didn't have to talk about this game, I would have shut that off. If if I'm not watching the game that night kind of thing, like, as it's Mm -hmm. happening, right? It's normally because I have, like, something else going on, but I'll go back and, like, watch the, you know, like, the condensed version of the game or, like, the highlight packs, whatever, Mm -hmm. to be able to talk about it here on this show. I would not have taken a look at this whatsoever if I did not have to talk about it. Yeah, because it was just a even to just have it on in like the background for portions as I was trying to do like some homework on Friday. That felt like a waste of the use of my ears that could have been utilized for something else.
0: You could have been watch listening to a podcast, listening to music, exactly. Yeah, I, I could I have literally have anything literally else on anything in the background. Yeah.
1: Exactly. You so, could have enjoyed and,
0: silence, maybe? Like, Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I, I could have just, yeah, been in compl- I could have gone into an isolation room, driven myself mad because I can hear my own heart beating. And that would have been more fun for me than listening to that. Yeah. And seeing what was going on as well in that game. It was brutal. And it only surprisingly got worse throughout the game just to like encompass the whole thing because I was, uh, I know you didn't get the chance to see it, like, right as it was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was kind of keeping you filled in. And I had even said, like, that um, this was just, like, lackluster, like, especially by this, like, halfway point of the second period. Like, that's, like, for sure not a whole heck of a lot going on. And then I want to go back to your thing from a couple episodes ago. Of like the team just seemingly like looking like they've given up. Mm-hmm. That was that game where the whole team looked like they just gave up outside of Max Jones in the last five minutes to say, screw you, but you're not getting a shot out today.
0: Yeah, right. Like that was it. That outside
1: was... of that, that entire team was not there. And I'm not even gonna make the joke blaming it on Thanksgiving turkey and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. even Thanksgiving Turkey could not put you in that much of a fucking coma. (laughs) It was just like, honestly, that was one of the worst performances I have ever seen. Not even just out of this team, but just in general watching hockey and like, I'll say the last five years and I've seen some horrible games, but that was, that was horrible. I'm sorry for anybody who paid for a ticket for that. You should ask for, you should honestly ask for a refund. Yeah, I mean,
0: you're not going to, but like, (laughs) yeah, like it's, that's terrible, honestly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah, I I just honestly just forgot that there was a game on at one o'clock until I got the notification at the end of the first Mm -hmm. that the the, the score was two nothing. And then I was like, okay, well, I mean, I guess I can maybe tune in for the second period. And then I, I got distracted, didn't turn it on. And then I saw that it was four nothing. At some point in the second, I was like, yeah, no, there's like, I'm not. Why would I turn that on? Like, exactly. Nothing about that says, oh, I should turn that on. Let's see how bad the Ducks are doing. Yeah. Like, no, why? Why would I do that?
1: Like, and don't so. get me wrong. Like, there's a lot of fans even like, uh, are like, obviously that are like fans of this Ducks team that understand that this season is not going to be great. Mm-hmm. Right. Like from the get go, they understood. Right. Same as us. We yeah. said, like, our projection, I think was what, sixth? Because we were like, okay, there's been some improvements yeah. here, but it is gonna take some time for like guys to get used to each other. Mm-hmm. Not looking at a playoff spot, but like, you know, they should at least be better than a couple of these teams here and there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's been absolutely nothing. To go back to last episode, it's bad that we were celebrating a regulation win. At the end of November. <laughs> at the end of November, as big as we were. Right. Like, I know I made the joke of like, oh, we're celebrating this like it's a Stanley Cup win, but like, yeah, like just like that's that shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. Like, that is it's horrible, absolutely horrible. Money Puck right now has the Ducks, the chance of the Ducks making the playoffs, and it's not even December yet. So we're like, we're at the Thanksgiving mark, right? Which is where you know like a lot of people say like okay like this is this is the point if you're in the playoffs i think it's like 77% of teams that are in a playoff spot at american thanksgiving are the teams that end up being in the playoffs uh come mm-hmm. april yeah right and already at american thanksgiving we are at a 0.9% chance of making the playoffs
0: which is basically like the St. Louis Blues um from yeah. 2019, like that is that, that was that's like the chance of you being able to replicate that.
1: Yeah, it's it's like it's like something has to give, especially after this game. Right? You let the senator. Yeah, you, 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 you let, think so. You let, yeah. you let the senators who mind you, they haven't had like a horrible time scoring necessarily, but their defense mm-hmm. hasn't been there either. You let the Ottawa senators go three for eight. On the power play, and meanwhile, you go 0 for six on your own, special teams alone. That is horrendous. Right? Yep. Yeah. Like, um, like, don't get me wrong. Talbot played lights out in this game. The guy put up a 969 save percentage and a 2.28 goals saved. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The ducks had their chances. Don't get me wrong. But they only had a few, and Talbot was up to the challenge for it. Outside of that, though, there's not a whole lot going on. The Regenda Carrick Lundestrom line, who only played five minutes and 14 seconds, mind you, a five on five time, which was fourth on the team for forwards, had the highest expected goals for at only 0.51.
0: Yeah, You're- and that that is an example of like your fourth line being the only line that's in it because if they're not in it, they get scratched. Like that's just how it yeah. works. So like they they have to no matter how bad it is and how low the mood is on the bench, these are the guys that are basically always going to be um, putting in their best effort. So yeah, so it's- and nobody else was. I, I would say no. after the first period, like it, they came out like okay, we have a chance, and then after that, it was yeah from yeah. from what I saw from. The highlights, since I have said I obviously did not watch the game, yeah. I did not bother there. But
1: so again, we were talking like a few episodes ago of how, like, in the post game interviews, right? These guys are just like they're looking like disappointed, upset at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And even the I don't know if like quote unquote the hero of this game for Anaheim, Max Jones, right? Because he was able to score the only goal with like two and a half minutes left in the game, yeah, right. Is like on the verge of tears. Basically, like this is tearing these players apart, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's that they aren't playing. They're not playing team defense, mind you, but like they are still playing a team game. There's no individuals on mm-hmm. this team, right? Yeah. So like this is like this is entirely a like the and it it goes back to like what you were saying of like, once we see the team on ice, just out of it kind of thing. I think we saw it officially in this game. Yeah, absolutely. So something's got to give, I, and I, have been seeing others, uh, you know, the same thought process as me now of like, okay, there has to be like, there has to be somebody or an idea in mind Of who Furbyk wants as a coach, and until Mm -hmm. that person becomes available, we're stuck with Dallas Eakins. And I think it was uh, I I think it was uh, C.J. Woodling on Twitter had said as well that like, you know, if you just put Stothers in or one of the other assistant coaches, right? There's it's not really much of a change, which I do agree on.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, hell, you can look at Stothers and go, okay, I get it that. Defense, the defensive talent is not necessarily there right now. But even mm-hmm. when they were there, this power pl- or this penalty kill was horrible, and that's that is his group.
3: Yeah.
1: Right. So like, it, it's it, I'm almost at the point of okay, not even just Dallas Eakins, Clearhouse. That sounds oh, yeah. horrible to say. No. But yeah. No, I clear think so. house. Yeah. Like you're you're not doing like guys like Ryan Strom, uh Vetrano, Henrique, Sulferberg even, right? Like these are guys that that know the NHL game, right? Mm-hmm. And know what they need to do to keep up with it in a way, right? Mm-hmm. As much as this game has become a young man's game as we talked about in the last episode, the what the average age in the NHL is 27, right? Yep. Um as much as it's become has become a young man's game, the young guys still need to learn the NHL game in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They aren't going to do that, though, when... Not even that they don't have a teacher, that they have a lackluster teacher that doesn't give them any benefits whatsoever, I like I I'm I'm at the point like, of firmly believing that everything we have seen out of Troy Terry, out of Trevor Ziegros, out of Jamie Drysdale, out of Mason McTavish, like just to name four guys off the top of my mm-hmm. head, has been purely been on their own merit, theirs or from like
0: say guys like Getzlaff or Strome yeah. Henrik, like the guys that like the veterans on the team that yeah like say Strome we brought in basically to teach Mason McTavish yeah how to be a Top six center in the NHL like and I think we've slowly seen that develop throughout the season. Gets Laugh was super important with um, Trevor Segris last year, like so I'd say those guys those veteran leaders in the locker room and um, what they've learned in San Diego, mm-hmm. again from guys on the team or the coaching staff, and it, it's harder for us to comment on that since we don't watch. The Gulls games, but yeah, um, plus,
1: plus the San Diego coaching staff did all just change over this last offseason,
0: yeah. Um, but I haven't seen it, or I've seen very little development of like coachable things or like things that y- you learn from the coach coaches. Like, I, I haven't really yeah. seen that from any of these players, so it's yeah, like I'm with you that yeah, they're, they're waiting for the right coach because this team is building an identity and you need a coach that is going to fit that identity. Um, and then you also need to wait for them to be available. But at a certain point, having just any coach that's not Dallas Eakins is
1: better than... Just a different perspective as a whole.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, fuck, you could, you could put one of us behind the bench. It Like, you could put... Ryan gets laughed behind the bench. You could put the homeless guy who lives like near the <laughs> deli around the corner from your house. Like it doesn't matter who is back there at this point. It just needs to be somebody new. That's
2: yeah. it. That's
0: all. That's all you need for the rest of the season. The season's a write-off. It's done. If you make yeah. the playoffs, like that is a miracle at this point.
1: Yeah, and uh, honestly, it could be even more of a miracle than St. Louis in
0: 2019. Yeah,
1: yeah. right. So, so,
0: but it, it just needs to be somebody different, be, because we have seen that lack of effort that, like that that nobody cares anymore. So, yeah, it's, it's. <laughs> it, it, so something needs Pat Verbeek needs to do something, and at this point, it's either you need to make a big trade or you need to change up the coaching staff, and. I, I don't know why we would make a big trade because, like, who's going to want to come to Anaheim and who is going to be available that is going to fix this team? Like, yeah, yeah, Jacob Chikrin is probably available. We are hurting on defense. We could probably use a good defenseman on a good deal, but he's not going to want to come here. Why Why and, would and he nobody, come
1: here? And I... Like, as much as Chikrin has been hurt as well, I also... I don't think it's wrong to think as well that, like, he hasn't been acquired by anybody because, yeah, NHL guys get hurt quite often, right? Unless mm. your name is Phil Kessel, for current yeah. guys at least. Um, but, like, outside of that, it's nobody wants to pay Arizona's price. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and so why totally would, it, why would it is do a that too. Ve- It is a very high asking price. Yeah. So And, yeah, there's no way that Anaheim is going to want to. And I don't know that Arizona would even want them to, because actually, uh, no, sorry, Arizona would love that. Actually, from Anaheim for the yeah. draft picks, especially it, it, it's
0: essentially uh, the best. Like, they Anaheim has a better chance at Connor Bedard than Arizona does right now. So, yeah, like, a lot better of a chance. <laughs> yeah, so Arizona would eat that shit up, like two high chances at Connor Bedard. And if you don't get him, you still get like. Two first round picks in any other year, probably. Yeah. Like you get that guy from Russia whose name I always forget, Michkov or something like that. Uh Mich- Michikov,
1: I think. I, I don't remember offhand. Anyway. Yeah. So, something yeah. like that.
0: Um and then the third guy is like still a probably a top two guy in any other draft that doesn't yeah. have these elite franchise like, generational talents, or projected generational talents, I should say. Yeah. So, like, it's just a massive draft. So, like, even if you end up with the third or the fourth pick, you're still getting awesome players.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But- and and th- think about it this way, too. You have guys on your roster who have already played with Bedard mm-hmm. and also in high-stakes situations, right? Yeah, and I'm thinking specifically the World Juniors, Mason McTavish playing team playing on Team Canada with Bedard, mm-hmm. and if I'm not mistaken, JB Drysdale as well.
0: Um, well, it wouldn't have been last year; It would have been two years ago. I, and and Bedard was 16, and no,
1: but I think no, he, he was got, 17 in last year. I, so, oh, I, so maybe I think he got brought onto that team here. You're right. Yeah, um, yeah. If you want to double check that, so but at least even with McTavish because those two are both forwards, right? Yeah. You already have familiarity there with each other. Mhm. So, it's it's it feels so far away. It's 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 what I was saying earlier. I'm just going to reiterate it. We all knew that the Ducks were going to be More losing than winning this year. That's fine. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I would just rather see closer games than us losing 5-1 to the team that at the time was only one spot ahead of us. Mm -hmm. Right? Like the consistent... (laughs) If there's one thing that's consistent on this team, it's uh, embarrassing losses. (laughs) Which, that's not a good thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm that's not going to do anything for your guys. And like I said, like that's where kind of the scary thought of Trevor Zegers, Jamie Drysdale, like upcoming contracts, like it kind of scares me. They don't want to be in a situation like that either. Even if they know that the team is in a rebuilding phase still. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um,
0: in, so in 2021, uh, that was the Bubble World Juniors that happened literally just before the start of the NHL season. Right, um, yeah. So Drysdale was on that team, uh, but Connor Bedard was not. Okay. So, um, and I guess that kind of makes sense because any guys that would have been eligible, but also could have potentially played on the NHL teams, wouldn't have been like they would have been allowed to go because the NHL teams weren't playing games at that point. Yeah. Um so there was a lot of other a lot more guys to choose from then
1: Yeah. Um in that case. So I would like to also believe that Pat Verbeek is a smart man and a smart move, in my opinion, I think. I think we talked about this before. Let Mason McTavish go to the world juniors. This year. This year, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, fuck, Like in like less keep unless, him on the team
0: because he's helping us like get into a playoff spot. Like y- yeah, yes, he is helping us be a better <laughs> team. But no,
1: he's not pulling us into a playoff spot single-handedly. He's also not really helping us when he keep, he gets put on the fourth line. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's sorry, third line Sorry, he's, he's, he's moved line up to the game. third yeah. line now. Yeah, no, he's good. But <laughs> right like let let him go succeed for a for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And let, let him just
0: dominate and get that confidence yeah. and then bring it back.
1: Again. Exactly. Even so. more, even more confidence, right? Than the the way he's been playing lately, which honestly, like I, I don't have a whole lot of issues from. Yeah. Considering again, like the teachers around him and the fact that he's doing as well as he is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Like, sure, there's mistakes here and there. The guy's nine, like 18, 19, right? Mm-hmm. 19, I think. Uh, like, if he's not 19, he will be soon. Yeah. So, yeah, the kid's going to make mistakes, right? Yeah. And he's learning from them. But it's... Yeah. And... Oh, no, he's if, 19. He'll be... Sorry, he'll be 20 at the end of January. Okay, so either way, he's still quite
3: He's still young, very young,
1: yeah. Right? And... Yeah, and if you're if you're looking ahead to the future, yeah, you got a potential partner there in Connor Bedard. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Let him go develop more chemistry before yeah. Bedard is potentially even part of this team.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, so, <laughs> if um the whoever the coach is going to be for Team Canada uh, at the World Juniors, if they're smart, they're going to put Bedard and McTavish together on a line and make it work. And then they're going to get the Anaheim Ducks coaching job that should be available next year. (laughs) And then they're going to put those two together and just reap the rewards. Like, this is the best...
1: um, Should be available next year? Should be available as soon as the World Juniors are done?
0: Well, yes. At the latest. Yes. (laughs) But this is, like, literally the best um, resume, I guess. Yeah. For... Uh, Have they named the head coach for Team Canada's uh, World Juniors?
1: I am not sure offhand, to be honest with you. I
0: I don't know. They would have had to, right? Because... I feel like they did. uh, Team Canada announces coaches. This was on November 9th. Um, Familiar faces as Everett Silvertips coach GM Dennis Williams takes on the head coaching duties after serving as an assistant during last year's event along with uh sherbrooke phoenix coach stefan julian uh who's the head coach of the Hlinka gretzky cup in the summer and then Lethbridge hurricanes coach brent kissio and sarnia sting coach alan letang and then kelly guard most recently the goalie coach of the Prince Albert Raiders will serve as the team's goaltending consultant.
1: So Dennis Williams, um, like you said, head coach and GM of the Everett Silvertips.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this is currently his sixth season behind the Silver Tips bench. Okay.
2: Um has Williams- been
0: fantastic for those six years, or like yep. at and, least uh, year? and he
1: and he also has a guy on his team by the name of uh Olin Zellbaker. Fuck if Pat Verbeek does not hire <laughs> Dennis Williams, there is something like, wrong. It is a massive jump from the WHL to the NHL, right? That is a massive jump for anybody. Player, coach, yeah. doesn't matter. That is a massive jump. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy that's gonna be that's gonna have worked with a few guys that you no know, could be on our roster. Mm-hmm. Um And, uh, yeah, here, you know what, actually, because Everett has it here. I'm just going to read off this guy's resume. Just as we're we're already doing the coaching search. (laughs) All right. So, under Williams, in the sixth, so in the five years, I guess, because we're partway through this season. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, in five years, under Williams, Everett has earned four U.S. division titles, (laughs) three conference regular season titles, and one... Western Conference Championship. Um, His uh, record in the WHL is 203, 66, 11, and 11. Wow. And uh, last, just last summer, he got promoted as well to GM. Um, He has also had 11 nhl draftees since 2018 which is the second most in the whl he has had 16 of his players sign pro contracts at the nhl or ahl level
2: Mm
1: -hmm. he's earned four gold medals at double ihf competitions um with as well four different players uh carter hart might know him from philadelphia Ronan Seeley and uh, Olin Mm Zellwiger, and uh, Dustin Wolf as well, who's just still been tearing up the AHL uh, over the last couple of seasons um, for Calgary's affiliate. Um, (laughs) He has the best overall power play percentage and penalty kill in the Western Conference since 2017, (laughs) uh, which the power play percentage is just south of 25 percent and the penalty kill is 82.4 those are damn good numbers for the WHL especially oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um because if, if you haven't heard us talk about the WHL before it is a high scoring league it is mm-hmm. flying hockey yeah um he has the his teams has the best goals against average in the WHL since 2017 at 2.29
0: as Fuck, well as the-
1: low <laughs> <Yeah. WHO. laughs> as well as the third best goals per game since 2017 at a 3.63 damn he has a goal he has a gold medal uh from last year's world junior championship as an assistant coach mm-hmm. and he won uh he's a two-time winner of the western conference uh coach of the year in 2018 and 2020 and the u.s division coach of the year in 2022 that's just like some of the accomplishments that he's had. And then you like, you could go into those like some of those players that he's coached, mm-hmm. right?
0: And, and Where, see what they've done. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like uh like I'm taking a look here at just like the shortened uh twenty twenty one WHL season. Yeah. And just from a goalie standpoint alone, uh Dustin Wolf is four of four five awards here for
2: 2021
1: mm-hmm. wow that like his like any of his guys uh any of his guys won mm-hmm. so like just on the like the goalie level i guess yeah um and uh two of his guys shared the division like goals goal scoring title hmm so just completely nuts. And, oh, yeah, uh, four of his guys um were named to the division all-star team. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> out, of, out of six guys, four oh, of them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so I just want to com- do a little comparison here because um, I'll admit I'm a little rusty on the path a person takes generally to get into a head coaching role in the National Hockey League um yeah. and it's it's different for everybody it's not quite as clear cut as like a player will say but um we'll take Andre Tournier who is the current head coach of the Arizona Coyotes he started uh last season with them um and i figured that was a very good comparable because it's it is so recent um and so Tournier started in um essentially in the QMJHL um, as a GM head coach for many years uh, mm. before he became the um, assistant coach in um, for the World Juniors for Team Canada uh, d- during those years in the QMJHL as well. Eventually, he moved up to be an assistant coach for the Colorado Avalanche from 2013 to 2015. Um, and then assistant coach of the Sens from 15 to 16, which, no, that wasn't their cup year or their cup run year. That was the year before. No, it was the year. Yeah, it was the year before. Um, And then uh, back to the QMJHL for a year, then flipped over to the Ottawa 67s of the OHL uh, to be their head coach for a while. Um, And then assistant coach of the... Canada world junior team in 1920 head coach in 2021 um followed by the world championship assistant coach in 2021 and then was named head coach so kind of a back and forth between assistant Mm -hmm. coach in the NHL and head coach in the juniors before eventually getting head coaching role just to map Dennis Williams very briefly here um head and assistant coach in the NCAA for a while and various other college leagues, head coach in Everett um, in the WHL, and then that's kind of it. So I could maybe see him being an assistant coach uh, in the NHL, not just immediately jumping into a head coaching role, but I think an assistant coaching role with a veteran head coach at the helm um, could be beneficial as like a let's groom Dennis Williams to eventually move up to the head coaching role under, say, a guy like Bruce Boudreaux, um, Ken Hitchcock, Barry Trotz, like those veteran guys who have been mm-hmm. around for a long time that are just looking to, you know, make a couple more million bucks over the next couple of years and um, set up a team for success, both in coaching and in um, in their players. So I, I think. It might be a bit of a step or a leap to make Dennis Williams head coach right away like as of yeah. next year or this year, but I think you bring him on as an assistant coach as soon as possible.
1: Okay, here. I got another idea. Okay. I do I do like yours, though. I'm not dismissing it. But oh, yeah. Yeah, idea. for sure. Yeah. You bring Roy Summer up. You promote him, mm-hmm. right? He's your head coach in San Diego. And then that's where you get a guy like Williams to be the new AHL coach.
0: That's possible too. Right. Kind of get him there. Theoretically, he'd be working with um, similar guys that he's either seen in the
1: WHL or coached, like Olin Zelwiger. Yeah. And let him get his footing. And then, because Summer yeah. is Summer's a lot more of an AHL coach. And I think that does show on his resume. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's, hey, this is at least somebody who can fill in for the time being. And if you would like it, the San Diego job can be yours. But we have this guy in mind in particular. It's it maybe doesn't sound the greatest, maybe for Summers, but mm-hmm. or for summer, but it does kind of. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing ideas here. Yeah,
0: I right? know. And I mean, it's it is another option too. You're still bringing yeah. on Williams into the system, um, but then you're also rewarding um, Summer for a summer or Summers summer. Summer for S O
1: M M E R.
0: Okay, you're you're still rewarding him for a job well done in yeah the AHL, um, yeah. and he and he'd be familiar with a lot of these guys as well, um, in like McTavish, Seagrass, Drysdale, like a lot of the younger guys, I I would say.
1: Yeah, Rest and I part. know some people might even look at like the at like the idea of even just bringing like it, like remove a, like Williams from the equation because that's us just a total oh hey here's an idea throwing something at the wall here there is hmm. nothing like connected of Anaheim and uh, Williams but, whatsoever yeah but even just bringing summer up as well for hell even the rest of this season right like hey we're bringing you up here we're putting the interim tag on you that doesn't guarantee that you have the job but just somebody else needs to be here yeah Right? It can't be Eakins any longer. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. It just, My, it, just it, it can't be Eakins any longer. Yeah.
0: My only issue with that is you have to, and, and there could be, again, I don't know this far or this deep into the system. There needs to be a plan for um, keeping the Gulls relevant, for lack of a better term. Like, yet okay, you can take Summer and promote him to the NHL, give him the interim tag, and say, if it doesn't work out, you'll head back to the AHL. But you need to, have a assistant coach in San Diego that you're comfortable with promoting to that temporary head coaching role, or say a coach from the ECHL or a longtime friend of Pat Verbeek that has coaching experience that he is comfortable bringing in to develop these young guys. Like there needs to be by doing that, you create a um, chain of events, I guess that then needs to happen. Whereas if you just bring in a new guy, that's a little easier. So I'm not saying that it can't happen, but, um, there, there does need to be that. Um,
1: I think
0: the, the, you need I, I, to solve that chain of chain reaction.
1: I what think I think it could work actually because both uh Jason Clark and Chris Sparr, um, this is also their first year as assistant coaches for the Gulls, right? Mm-hmm. Verbeek did clear house on the Gulls already, yeah. So the guys that he that he hired and brought in, right? Mm-hmm. I think they do um or like Verbeek would have the confidence in them for the rest of the season. Right? Potentially. Yeah. It's so, it's a little more delicate
0: like, because these are guys that you want to generally they're guys you want to be playing on your NHL roster at some yeah. point so you need to um you, you almost need to have a better coach in the AHL than in the NHL at this point for the Ducks um mm. the Ducks and, franchise but mm. I, I don't want to say better but like you, know, you need to have you know somebody I mean?
1: that can still handle a head coaching job because I think we talked about yeah. that before as well, right? That like, um, like it it almost takes like a certain something to be a head coach.
0: Yeah, so right? a, a certain personality trait. Yeah. Of, of some sort, or yeah, one of a small few personality traits.
1: Yeah, so I think out of if you're if we're looking at uh, between Clark or Spar to be that fill in for San Diego as the head coach, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that would be Jason Clark. Um, he did, uh, he was head coach, um, in the QMJHL for both, uh, uh, Shawinigan and, uh, Acety, uh, Bathurst, um, in okay. the QMJHL. Um, and, uh, yeah, Clark had guided, uh, Acety Bathurst to a 40, 22, three and three record, um, finishing fourth in the Eastern conference and third in the Maritimes division for the QMJHL.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and uh, he's also been like a head coach and GM for the uh, Carlton place Canadians of the central Canada hockey league. Um, mm. And he was that he was the head coach there, especially from
3: 2009
1: to 2021. Okay. Um, leading that team to, uh, Four championships between uh, 2014 and 2017. So, uh, yeah, four straight championships. <laughs> um, and uh, three championships for the Canada Junior Hockey League uh, tournament from 2014 to 2016. Um, as well as berths in the Canadian Junior A National Championship. So, okay, I think yeah. like, so not, like, that's are, a guy who can numbers, handle yeah. the head coaching responsibilities for sure yeah. uh chris Barr, his uh his career is a lot more of being a he's specializes being an assistant coach
0: yeah and it's been a, a little bit shorter compared to the,
1: yeah the so guys. but yeah so, so i think yeah. there, there you go i think we figured out a, su- a succession plan pat you could implement this tomorrow and i think it would be all the better for primarily the ducks young guys up top
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, this was definitely a long-winded way of saying a change needs to happen.
1: Yeah, it's it's past the point of no return. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So, um, you know, I I I don't have anything else to really say about this game.
1: Um, Uh, It wasn't even like overly about the game. It was just, okay, here's the game as an example of many we have seen, but this is the one that is like the nail on the coffin that something needs to change Yeah. as much as we got that regulation win against the Rangers on Wednesday. Fingers crossed still, which is horrible. I know to have fingers crossed for somebody getting fired, but for the sake of this team, fingers crossed, you could still have something done before Tuesday against Nashville
0: yeah or and I mean, yeah like we still have Seattle right tonight yeah, like uh, if yes, you haven't ten, figured it out already we're we're recording this um a few hours before the game against the Seattle Kraken that will end off the Anaheim Ducks road trip here, um, and the bar is so incredibly home, low home stand, yes, sorry, before they go on the road. The bar is so incredibly low for this game, like already, I don't think that. Anything that happens in this game is going to change the outlook on the season, you know.
1: Yeah, um,
0: and and I would be shocked if this was a dominant win, anyways. Like, yeah, no, it's not not going to happen. <laughs> this is this is not the Seattle Kraken that we saw last year and in Game One of
1: this season. Of this season, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm going to correct my thing. Not before Tuesday against Nashville because that is a road game. Um, they'll the Ducks will go on a four-game trip here between the 29th and uh, December 4th. Mm-hmm. I'm calling the 4th or 5th at this point because then you get back home for a week and then you go on the road again.
0: So, sorry, you're saying after the road trip but before the couple games at home is when the change yeah. is going to happen? See, I think that's always... Why, like, why would you give... Like that, that road trip. Like, why? Why would you give Dallas Eakins that road trip? That's kind of the boat boat that I'm in there.
1: It's not for Dallas Eakins. It's for Summers, or it's for it's for Summer. That then he's just not instantly on the road with a team that he's new to. It's you know, assuming Eakins would be done on the fourth coming home from Winnipeg, mm-hmm. right? Okay, Monday, uh, or how? even Sunday, you come up, you do the opening press conference, you get a couple practices under your belt before you play Carolina on the Tuesday night. You get a couple more practices in before okay. you play San Jose. It, it gives you a little bit more time with the team where everybody is comfortable, I mm-hmm. think, at home before you go out on a road trip with them. Yeah. So that, that's that's my reasoning for it. Otherwise I would say absolutely just get them out as soon as you can and mm-hmm. bring in and yeah. bring in summer. But
0: I, I do understand what you're saying and I agree with it in one aspect. The alternative view of it would be um let's send the team out with Summers. Summer, sorry, as the head coach, and yeah, you're not really going to have the time to get a good practice in, but things aren't just going to change in a couple practices anyways. I think yeah. the important part is building the relationship between Ray Summer and the guys that have not been coached under him before, mm-hmm. and the best way to do that is on a road trip where you are going out for yeah. meals together and sharing the same hotel room, sharing the same, I guess mm-hmm. not bus, plane, because this is a fancy club. Um, yeah, <laughs> But, so yeah no you I might not I, see I really like what the,
3: you,
0: mean. you won't see like the big system wide changes over this road trip, and they'll there will probably still be losses and and big glaring holes in the system and and big mistakes but you you're not going to blame that on summer because he literally just showed up to the team and hasn't really had a good chance to practice, but that relationship between the players and uh the new coach will develop over this week so then when you do come back home and you are able to get that practice in on Monday before Carolina and Tuesday um, before the Tuesday morning as well and then those couple days off before San Jose then whatever summer says you'll have that trust already built up and that willingness to maybe change things from that you've learned over the last four years from Dallas. Seasons. Yeah. So that's that's the alternative argument there. I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong.
1: Yeah. Just no, like, no, no. And and I, way, I so. totally agree with what you're saying about the road aspect of it. My yeah. thought was just like have the home portion of it first mm-hmm. just to get everybody warmed up to the idea before just suddenly hey, there's a new guy at the front of the plane that is like who is who's suddenly commanding the ship here. Right. Yeah. It's OK. Just have the little bit of a buildup, and then go on that road trip and really build that up with him. So that's that's yeah. the reason for my thought. Yeah. But like the the road yeah, no, idea, I mean, though, sense, so. the road idea though, we both have. I think it's just yeah. the idea of what we think would be best first. So yeah. but yeah, it's
2: it's it, at I, least it's we, we both ideal. fully agree yeah. though
1: that it is it, it is unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it. From a humor perspective it's unfortunately time from a hockey business perspective it is fortunately time to just end this relationship with the Eacons. it needs yeah. to be done it should have been done a while ago but like and i get it if if it is the whole idea of that the guy that i'm thinking of or the idea that i'm thinking of is not quite available just yet right mm-hmm. that's fine But for the sake of the future, even, of this team, right? I I don't feel like you can wait any longer for that thing. I mean, you can still wait for it, but something better needs to be in place for now.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's kind of like... Hmm. It's like, okay, you get into a car wreck, all right?
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And... Not that car wrecks are funny, but I'm just surprised that you went there.
1: (laughs) So you get into a car wreck, but at the same time, you were kind of wondering about getting a new vehicle anyway that would fit better (laughs) with what you do today, right? However, though, in the meantime, you're not going to continue to drive around that car that's barely working if it is, right? Mm -hmm. You're probably going to get like a rental vehicle. Or you know, like borrow a vehicle for a couple of weeks until you're able to, uh, to to get the vehicle that you do want.
0: Yeah, right. You're, you're going to test the market a little bit. You're going to see what works, what doesn't. You're going to exactly. Yeah. So you're, the, you're the gonna is... a, yeah. You're going to rent, like say, a Palisade. You're going to rent a Civic. Like you're going to see what yeah what, what, your, what fits. An SUV, exactly. a minivan, a truck. You know, yeah. Options. Y-
1: you want a, you want a nice pickup truck. But at the moment, uh, it's either okay, I'm gonna drive my or attempt to drive my beat up corolla or I'm gonna suck it up for a little bit and uh, and, and use the rental uh, uh, use the rental caravan yeah, right It's a lot better than having to push the beat up car for over half the trip, right yeah so yeah. What? Well, strange, strange analogy, I know, but that was the best I could come up no, with. No, like, I, I,
0: I think we could have saved half an hour by just coming up with that analogy right off the bat, but we got yeah. there. <laughs> um, so. Well, anyways, that, we just absolutely jumped into that game and then jumped totally into something else. Um, so we've got... Uh,
1: I think there's oh. only one other thing I wanted to touch on. Oh, yeah, really no, quickly, no, go for it. Anyway, if in you the would show. like or like oh. for for the game. oh for the show Oh, for the game yeah, yeah go for, for it. the game yeah. sorry um purely just uh okay the the hit that Strom had that he got the penalty for for i think it was it was boarding or cross checking yeah. yeah it wasn't Whenever a great was. hit anyway yeah. my favorite part though was watching it back and you see Strom's reaction to him realizing oh the guy i have to fight is brady kachuk
0: yeah he threw a couple punches and then he took a couple and he's like i'm just gonna lay down yeah because like i tried that's good enough (laughs) like
1: he hit the guy and he turned and he did like he he expected a fight was coming right which yeah good good on yeah he probably
0: made the hit and was like "Ooh, i shouldn't have made that i'm probably gonna have to answer the bell yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah,
1: exactly he knows but then you but then you turn around you go ah fuck okay yeah not Exactly. Who I was it? Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's funny. because like you just see, like you see his reaction. I can't make out what he said exactly, but he does say something. Like as he looks at Kachuk, he kind of like says something and like looks off to the side, like kind of like oh, fuck. Yeah. And then like and like it was probably like a out, go easy then, on me, please. Like <laughs> <then laughs> they grab and go, and I was just like, oh, that is perfect. That is perfect. The, yeah. the one of the few bright spots in that game. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty good to watch, but yeah. Um okay, we uh we're going to leave this game behind us now. Um there's really not much more to say. Uh we will take a quick break. On the other side, we have hit the quarter season mark. Um actually we're at 21 games, so a little past the quarter season mark, but um just going to go through the team in general and and where they are at in the various stat categories. It's not all doom and gloom. Don't worry, there is there is some very very bright spots. Um and then and we've got uh, you know the regular stuff for the rest of the episode here, and I, yeah,
1: I can't decide if the quarter mark of the season has come fast or if it's come insanely slow, and it feels like we should be the halfway point. Yeah, I know. can decide. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah,
0: <laughs> but we'll talk about that in sixty seconds. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so we are going to jump into some stats here for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Specifically, we will start with team stats. So, points for the Ducks um, in the 21 games played. Are hard to come by. (laughs) 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 For everybody not named Troy Terry, who is at a point-per-game pace currently, 21 points in 21 games played. Um, When was the last time we had a point-per-game player on the Anaheim Ducks? I don't think it's been as long as we've been doing this show.
1: Why do I want to say it's like
0: Corey Perry? It probably has been, yeah. Or or Ryan gets like, or like but around the time player. when Getzlaff Laugh yeah. was there. Yeah. Um, yeah, if we look quickly back, um did not have point per game player last season. In 2021. Oh, definitely totally. not. Yeah, he <laughs> does. Uh, and then 1920, I guess, was the first year we did this. Uh, no, definitely not there either. 1819, maybe. I
1: don't nope. even know then. I think, I think, I straight up think it might have been like 1718.
0: It, it probably was. Yeah. Or
1: 1617.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Ryan gets laugh. Um, had 61 points in 56 games in 1718. Um, yeah, that would have been our last point per game player was Ryan Getzlaff in 1718. Raquel was close, 69 points in 77 games. Uh Corey Perry that year, 49 and 71. Um, so not him. But yeah. It's been a while. Anyways.
1: Yeah. Uh sorry, really quickly, just because I saw it pop yeah, up go for here. It. Um CJ Woodling again on Twitter, uh, sharing a clip of uh, Connor Bedard, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, I'll actually be just south of Regina over Christmas break, and I already asked my girlfriend if we could go to uh, to the Pats against uh, the Week Kings. I'm oh, like, yeah. just, just so I can pay 30 bucks to go see Bedard before I have to spend like a minimum hundred dollars <laughs> to go see him. Yeah, and uh, it sounds like we. We'll probably do it so sweet. Nice. Um, but yeah, so CJ just uh retweeting this and like saying, like, come on, Ducks fans, you can't possibly tell me you don't want this kid in Anaheim next year. Uh the caption reads, Connor Bedard has another one. Make it 21 goals and 51 points over his current 23 game streak.
0: <laughs> Not only is he almost a goal a game, he's just like, What is that? So you said 51 and 23. That's two points a game. That's nuts, man. Who
1: the fuck does that? And put I put it this way as well, last I checked, the Regina Pass, I think we're sitting seventh out of ten or twelve teams in the conference. Oh yeah. It, it is
0: it is literally Connor Bedard on yeah. that team just carrying. It.
1: <laughs> but and there's that's a nice. great tu- there's a great tweet here that's like psh, he's not even a goal per game player. He has how many points? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: uh
0: <laughs> so yeah, Troy Terry point per game pace uh, right now eight goals, thirteen assists for him. Trevor Zegres, uh seventeen points in the same twenty one game span. There um, followed by Adam Henrique and Ryan Strom, each with eleven points. Uh, although Henrique uh, having missed a game for it. the birth of his child, which we will allow to happen um, <laughs> only only once, like every year though, can you get away with that one?
1: <laughs> Just, I right away went to. Um... Ah, oh, uh, what's it? Was it? Is Mr. Chang on Community, right? Yeah, yeah. Just senior a,
0: senior Chang or
1: C- senior Chang, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll, I'll allow it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. And then rounding out the top five on the team in points is Mason McTavish with ten in the twenty-one games played there. So there was a sharp drop off after Terry and Zegris, but you know at least we do have um contributions from throughout the lineup. So. Generally, um, like, you know, <laughs> um, in terms of goals, Troy Terry just, and Trevor like, Zegras. sorry, tied. Just, oh, yeah, go ahead.
1: Does say, just like reading off the points alone again, I think just supports my point of these guys are doing this in spite of Dallas Eakins. Yeah, whether you want to it, say it's just like, oh, even though he's around in spite, mm-hmm. or if you want it to be in spite of yes. <laughs> Liter-
0: literal spite yeah
1: yeah like jesus christ <laughs> um
0: yeah Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry leading the team in goals both with 8 uh Adam Henrique with 6 Strom with 5 and then Vitrano and Comtois each with 4 um there as well and just because we like talking about McTavish he has 3 in 21 games played so uh and then assists Troy Terry leading Again, with thirteen, uh, Trevor Zegris with nine, so really, really the assists is the difference between Terry and Zegris in terms of points yeah. on this team. Mason McTavish, Fowler, and John Klingberg, um, all three of them with seven, and then Strom is that that sixth guy with six
1: points. I'm gonna correct my statement, actually. Okay. Mason McTavish is putting up points in spite of Dallas Ekins. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. The other guys are too, but McTavish especially, right? With like mm-hmm. the stats that I read off like last uh, last episode of him like averaging 13 minutes a night and yeah. still like being in the top rookies and in the top three in assists and uh, your top five in points. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Imagine if this kid was utilized properly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where would he be?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man. I, I, didn't, I wasn't planning on going through shooting percentage, but uh, it is kind of interesting, so I do want to mention it.
1: Um, yeah, please do, because I actually don't...
0: Yeah, Trevor Zegras leads the team in shot percentage with 16%, um, and his 8 goals on 50 shots. Um, Troy Terry... Um, that is something oh, sorry, that I could potential
1: like it's a little high, but it could be manageable. Almost yeah. Uh,
0: Comtois also with sixteen, but four goals on twenty five shots, so he's shooting a lot less. Adam Henrique and Strome just um, just a little over fifteen percent, and um, both of them thirty eight and thirty three shots, so not not a ton there either. Troy Terry has turned into a goal machine this year, obviously because he's leading or tied for the lead with eight goals, but 70 shots, which is a high for the team, and 11.4% shooting percentage, which is, like, again, a little high, but, like, sustainable. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, he he is doing it just through sheer volume, but also, like, it, it's going in for him, so.
1: Yeah, like, the, like, a Troy Terry one is 100% manageable, I think. Oh, like that's a, That's a realistic one, and, like, that's still decent. Yeah, like, Troy is one that could still go higher. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. And then
0: uh Frank Vitrano, he, he uh second on the team in shots with sixty two, but just snake bitten with a six point five percent like shooting percentage. Um so I, I think eventually the tables will turn. Yeah. For him. And I mean, he's never been like a super high goal scorer. He is more of like a a volume Yeah shooter, volume but, guy like,
1: and like giving chances. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but still, like his career shooting percentage is ten point one percent. So, like,
2: there is room
0: to still grow there, and he could turn into a decent twenty five ish goal scorer on this team if given the
1: proper supports. So, um, okay, I know. I sorry, I know you have the stats up. I'm yeah. I did find it, and I'm just kind of like flipping through a couple things here. Yep. So, without pulling it up yourself, okay? I want okay. you to minimize the window for a second.
0: Okay,
1: it's gone. Yeah. Just take a guess how many guys are, we'll say, zero and up for a plus-minus. I know this isn't a stat that we normally take a look at unless it's, like, egregious. Mm -hmm. But just as a team, how many guys have a zero or higher in their plus-minus category?
0: My heart says zero, but I'm going to give a little bit of credit to a couple guys. I don't know who they are, but I'm going to say there's two.
1: There's actually four.
0: Oh, okay. Can I can I try and guess sure. who some of them are? Um, I'm going to say um, I'm going to say that Cam Fowler Oh, no.
1: Yeah, uh, you know what? It's Cam Fowler, is he on the list? Uh, no, he is uh, okay, not. Damn. Uh, in um, fact, he's near the bottom of the list. <laughs> okay, yeah.
0: I thought I said that and then I was like, no, I feel like not. But maybe um, maybe uh, like a more depth guy, Max Jones. I feel like he's, he's, he's never really on the ice for a bad goal against. Uh, Max Jones
1: is only two spots better than Cam Fowler.
0: Oh, fuck. Okay.
1: <laughs> Apparently I'm bad. You know what? Trevor Uh, Trevor Zegris is... If he's third last, I'm going to scream. <laughs> no, Trevor zegris is uh, 14th out of 23 guys.
0: Okay. So yeah, I'm not good at this. Just, just go
1: ahead. Okay, from uh, so in fourth spot with an even zero and 11 games played is Nathan Beaulieu. Okay. Okay. I could see that. Uh, in third... it, It's very easy to not be on the
0: ice for goals on this team when you're in the penalty <laughs> box for fighting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which which gets even better here. Just wait for it. <laughs> don't um, say Sam Carrick. In third spot, uh, with 20 games played, Adam Henrique with a plus one. Okay. And this is where I'm just like, I don't fucking know anymore. In second spot, with seventeen games played, Mister Kevin Shattenkirk.
0: <laughs> wow! See that thought crossed my mind, so I was like, "That would just be so ridiculous." There's no way, but <laughs> wow. Okay.
1: And in first spot, with six games played and a plus two, Sam Carrick. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, like the like the plus minus stat is just ridiculous until it's like egregious, right? It yeah. doesn't overly mean anything until it's like super bad or super good. Mm-hmm. Um and like for Carrick as well, his average time on ice in uh those six games is seven minutes and fifty-one seconds. So Damn. take it with a grain of salt, but
0: <laughs> what sorry, what am I missing here that Max Comtois has 44 penalty minutes. <clears throat> what I'm seeing that too is Jesus
1: Christ. Did he get
0: a okay? November 9th, he has 12 minutes in penalties against Minnesota. Did he fight that game? I feel like he fought. Yeah, he did. If I remember correctly, November 9th against Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and then he has 17 against New Jersey. The, like these have to be 10 minute misconduct, right? they have
1: to, yeah, for those, yeah, they would have to be. Jesus Christ,
0: <laughs> Guess, yeah, Minnesota. Let's look at because it's that's like blowing everybody else out of the water. So it goes back
1: to Comtois with 44 minutes to Nathan Bollier with 28.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, yes, in that game, Comtois, Zegris, and Benoit all got. Misconducts and Comtois also ended up with a roughing in that game against Minnesota, so that's where the twelve
1: minutes comes from there. Right, because that game was just an absolute shit show,
0: just a disaster by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then against New Jersey, that was on the eighteenth.
1: Is that the one? Yeah. Sorry, that Kevin Shattenkirk is actually a plus, a plus two is still baffling me right now. Mind boggling.
0: Yeah, I don't get it. Um, He is,
1: he, I'm, I'm assuming by looking at his stats as well, considering he only has five assists, um, he just happens to hop on the ice and they score. mm. (laughs) Like that has to be it, right? Like, yeah. Um, um, my my the, favorite my favorite thing though is uh, Sam Carrick uh, only being back for six games is already sitting 9 penalty minutes with Sekiro. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's funny <laughs> he's
1: yeah. like I gotta fucking make up for it
0: he's had some catching up to do um yeah that game against New Jersey was Comtois got uh two five and ten for the instigation um
1: oh right that bullshit fighting. okay so, yeah which makes sense so um Jesus Christ though but yeah still it's it's wild um yeah Comtois uh un- unfortunately. No, Lady Bing, in your uh, in your in your near future, bud.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, after the top guys, there is a sharp drop off. But like we've talked about on previous seasons, the the ducks have kind of scored by committee, anyways, and we've just been missing those top guys to really take the charge. Yeah. And now we we have we one have- in Troy Terry. We have Trevor Ziegris, who is only going to get better, and he will be in the conversation yeah. for. But potentially in the conversation for Art Ross trophies in his future, um, and then we have Mason McTavish, who is is still very young, yeah. And will will be very good, and we will talk and, more about him when we talk about rookie scoring. But yeah, and um, the
1: the fact that all three of these guys, like the oldest, is twenty five.
0: Right?
3: Yeah. Right.
1: Like we we have what we've been asking for at least in yeah. a, in a few guys who will like take the charge offensively, which is awesome to see.
0: Yeah. Uh, Hopping over to the goalies now. Um, Anthony Stolarz and John Gibson are the only two goalies who have played for the Ducks so far this season. Both of them, uh, very similar numbers, actually, and they would be as you would expect if you have watched any of the games so far. Uh, Stolarz with a 3.9 goals against average, which is uh, the better of the two goaltenders there, gibson not far behind with an even four goals against average uh and then save percentage gibson leads with an 895 and stellar is not far behind with an 887 um in 16 games played this season john gibson has a oh, i got an 11 891.
1: 891 yeah that's what i got here
0: ah uh, i have an 887 so oh,
1: weird anyway yeah um
0: yeah, sixteen games played for John Gibson, four eleven and one record. Yikes, not good. Yeah. Um, in nine games played, five starts for Anthony Stolarz, a two a three and o record. Um, so not much better, but I mean, in in the limited starts that he's gotten, in the, that, the limited yeah. games that he's been the goalie of record, it's uh, not bad, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to add the goal save above expected. Yeah, uh, Lars leads that with a negative 1.4.
2: Okay.
1: Um, Pretty uh, decent. And John Gibson with a negative 4 even. So that's at least nope. better. Yeah, he has better improved than it was. It, yeah. But... Um, well, well, I feel like
0: last time we talked about this, it was about 10 games into the season. So for Gibson, like eight games played or whatever. And he was at a minus eight. So that means since then to average it out he was, would have had to be a zero to get it to an average of minus 4. Yeah. So he's well, been just where he should be and he's just suffering from the early season down in the
1: dumps. Yeah. Um I'm taking a look as well uh for the NHL uh minimum 10 games played for goalies uh John Gibson sits uh 28th out of 31 guys with that yeah, negative 4.0. Yeah.
3: Um
1: Okay, one more time. I'm going to say, okay, let's let you can you can guess the guys who are the bottom three goal save above expected in the NHL minimum 10 games.
0: Uh, Phil Grubauer.
1: Uh, no, is not showing here actually.
0: Okay, maybe he hasn't played 10 games then. Um, that is a
1: possible. Yeah, I'm not, uh, yeah, no, he hasn't. Oh, I okay. actually know okay. that offhand, so yeah,
0: okay, um. Minimum 10 games played. Uh, Jack Campbell.
1: Uh since 30th with a negative 8.9. Yeah. Um, saw that coming. Um who
0: else would be down there? I want to say Kemper, but I feel like he's been pretty hot and cold. So like he would probably be somewhere in the middle.
1: Uh Kemper? Is sitting 11th actually at a positive 3.4. Okay, okay.
0: Um, maybe I'm, I'm just like really feeling his bad games because I got him in a couple yeah. fantasy leagues. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but okay. Uh, who else would be down there? I'll give uh, you one more guess. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, east or west? Um, or is there one in the east and
1: one in the west? Yeah, pick your, pick your poison.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, well, I picked. Jack Campbell from the West. So I'm going to try and think of an Eastern goalie. Um, who's been not fantastic so far this season in the East? Um, oh, Columbus. Uh Salo, then?
1: Um, it's not him, but I am trying to find... Find where he's at? Where he's at...
0: Maybe he has also not played 10 games.
1: Yeah, season. I don't think so. Because I'm not even seeing Columbus here, actually. Oh, wild. Um,
0: oh, yeah, they've had three goalies. Um yeah. played six, Corpusalo eight, and Merzlikens nine. Okay. Well,
1: that was a wasted guess then. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just below John Gibson in 29th spot is Sergei Bobrovsky. With a negative negative five point two. Really? Hmm. Then you have thirtieth with Jack Campbell of the Edmonton Oilers, negative eight point nine, and then uh, just a little north of us, a little west of Edmonton, Thatcher Demko still with a negative oh, nine point one.
0: I should have got there. I, I really should have got that one. That, that was an one.
1: Fifty goals against over thirteen games. <sighs> yeah, that's not good.
0: And and then he's he's last in goalies that have played. Over ten yeah. games, yeah.
1: Um, and to compare it to John Gibson, Gibson's played sixteen games and has had fifty-nine goals against. So three more games, nine more goals against. So,
0: okay, yeah. So probably about the same then, actually, in goals against average. Or no, maybe not. Um, who's that? Vancouver. This is like actual goals against average because I don't want to do the math. Uh, math. Um, uh, three point eight seven. So actually, better than Gibson. Yikes. Yeah. But again, Gibson's had some stinkers. Like he's he's laid some big fat turds
1: already this season. Not that
0: Demko hasn't, but.
1: See, for some reason, I'm having different numbers than you. I got Gibson both from the NHL and Money Puck here at a point eight nine five.
0: I was, I was, his goals against average, a 4.0. Oh, sorry. I
1: was yeah. looking at say
0: percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Save percentage. <laughs> I have 8.95 as well. So.
1: Okay. okay. And yeah. then. Uh... Yeah, Thadjir Demko, I have a save percentage of 882. So, not a whole okay. heck of a lot better, but. Yeah. Or actually, or not like Gibson, not a whole heck of a lot better.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. And then let's go to the rookie scoring race just because we are invested in Mason McTavish. Um, Fuck, I mean, yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's technically ninth in rookie scoring with 10 points, but he is in a like five-way tie with Perfetti, Pinto, Addison, and JJ Paterka for that fifth spot. And then there is a four-way tie for that second spot with 11 points. So he's really only one point back from Johnson, Matthias Chely, Fabian Zetterland, and Jake Sanderson. Um, and then Maddie Beniers is running away with it so far with 15 points. Um, so, like, yeah, looking at McTavish in that nine spot, you're like, Oh yikes! But it's actually a really tight race if you take out yeah. Maddie Beniers. Like he's, um, he, he's like a two point game away from
1: being second. And uh, yeah, if you wanted to try to put down some money on him with uh, or on Mason McTavish winning the Calder still for mm-hmm. uh, with DraftKings promo code THPN there at sign up, uh, Mason McTavish is currently sitting at a plus one thousand two hundred. Okay, so that's honest. a decent
0: return, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, the guys that are ahead of him, Cole Perfetti, Shane Pinto, Jake Sanderson, Logan Thompson, and Matty Beneers. Mm.
0: Right, yeah, I guess you got to take uh, Thompson into account who yeah. would not be in your traditional points, goals, assists categories here. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, I, I would bet that Beneers or Thompson would be the guys like, if you were to award it right now, it would be one of those two guys yeah. to win it. Um, but, obviously, we're only a quarter of the way through the season. There, A lot can change. And if the Ducks can change the coach, get that new coach bump, and then, you know, actually be decent for the last, what do we have left here, 61 games, then McTavish could very easily enter that conversation for yeah. the Calder Trophy. So Absolutely. If you think that's going to happen, if Dallas Eakins gets fired this week, um <laughs> Maddie or so not Maddie Benner, Mason McTavish's um draft King's odds will look a lot more
1: interesting. yeah, it could look a lot better
0: yeah so um and then the last few stats I want to go through here just some general team stats um like power play and kill <laughs> percentage which we already know where those are at Anaheim Ducks have now dropped to the lowest power play percentage now that Columbus has actually scored some power play goals. (laughs)
1: Let's go. We're number
0: one. We're number one. (laughs) That's one way to put it. Uh, 11.3% the Anaheim Ducks are sitting at. Still better than that 8% from a couple seasons back. Um, But Philadelphia comfortably ahead with 14.3% power play. (laughs) Um, Net power play percentage, which takes into account shorthanded chances and all that, or shorthanded goals against and all that jazz as well. Ducks at 6.5%. Columbus, 12%. The team just ahead of us. So, our net power play percentage is awful. Just absolutely horrendous. Yikes. Here, let's, actually, you know <laughs> what? Let's, let's get into that just a little more here. Um, sort by net power play percentage. Yeah, so... On 62 power play opportunities, the Ducks have scored seven goals um, and they have allowed three shorthanded goals for a power play differential of four, which is also the lowest in the league. Awesome. Hence, hence the terrible um, net power play percentage here.
1: Let's, awesome. Um, I love
0: it. <laughs> thankfully, we have not given up the most shorthanded goals. We are tied with Quite a few teams for, with uh, I guess seven, eight teams, for third place with our three shorthanded goals against. Uh Vancouver's <laughs> given up four, and you'll never you you would never guess the first team. So I'll just tell you, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. We've given up five shorthanded goals.
1: Rip. All right. <laughs>
0: they, I mean, they've scored twenty power play goals. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that, and. uh and Vancouver has scored 22. So like their their net power play percentage is still decent, but uh yeah, Anaheim not doing well there. Oof. And then just to talk about the penalty kill, I know I said this wasn't going to be all doom and gloom, but we've gotten past the exciting positive <laughs> stats now. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're in the doom and gloom stage.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh Anaheim 65.8% on the penalty kill. Behind Vancouver with 67.1 and St. Louis with 68.8. After that, all the teams are generally pretty average. Holy shit. Guess who's top in the league for penalty kill
1: percentage? Uh, I'm not. Oh, for sorry, say that one more time for penalty, for, for
0: penalty kill percentage. Who has the best penalty kill percentage? Who has the, the league?
1: Oh, man. Who's um, been doing really well defensively this year? I'm gonna throw a crack at like the Winnipeg Jets or the Dallas stars.
0: uh Dallas is up there with uh, third with 83 point2 but um and then Boston is ahead of them with 84.3 Winnipeg's fifth 82 point4 the the first place team has nine is 90 percent on the penalty kill. Jesus
1: Christ. okay, through, who is it?
0: through 23 games, the San Jose Sharks.
1: what the fuck All right? Yeah, right? That's Those are the, these are the kind of stats that just make me go. I know nothing about the sport.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we don't watch a lot of um, San Jose Sharks hockey, but um, it's the it's the one thing that they apparently have going for them. Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, on sixty um, times being shorthanded, sixty times only sixty times so far this season. That's not even lowest in the league. That's wild. Um. Anyways. On 60 times shorthanded, they have given up only six um, power play goals against. Uh, scored no no shorthanded goals, um, which I guess is fine. So their net penalty kill percentage is right where it should be. But yeah. Um, and then Anaheim Ducks for comparison. 67.1% on the net penalty kill percentage having given up 27 power play goals on 79 um, times being shorthanded. And we have scored a singular shorthanded goal. Which I don't even remember when that was. I feel like it was recently though.
1: Yeah, I don't remember offhand either.
0: Yeah. Um, anyways, so that's where the team is at. There, there are quite a few bright spots in terms of points and, and scoring. And, and Mason McTavish is obviously uh, keeping his head above water in the rookie scoring race. As we expected. But, geez, knocking shit over here. Um, but, yeah, the the team stats as a whole are not where you want them to be, and the defensive stats in particular,
2: plus yeah, minus, goaltending,
0: <laughs> special teams,
1: all that jazz. So, yeah, not overly. Um, so
0: we will talk about this in another twenty-ish games, which should be um, be ten and fifteen, uh, mid January or so. We'll have a. Uh, yeah, mid-January, we'll probably talk about this again. That'll be about the halfway point. So, Wonderful birthday present for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, January 15th, or 14th, 15th would be the epi- the day we record the episode. That would be the halfway point. So about a week before your birthday. Sweet. We play Buffalo <laughs> on your birthday, so. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that maybe for your birthday, you'll get a Ducks win. Just maybe. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you were frozen for a while there, but your computer figured it out. It was
1: uh, it was good. Yeah. On my end, everything seems fine. You're still frozen. for Oh, me really? Now. So oh, I, I, think it's still trying to figure out a little bit of something. But if I'm, okay. if I'm still here, we're good.
0: Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. So okay. Well, we uh, we got a couple quick things to wrap up the episode here. We've got um, something that. Uh, we were tagged in by, or that, well, no, you tagged me in this, sorry. Um, yeah. And this is a tweet from CJ Woodling, who we've talked a lot about uh, them today. So this is the yeah. CJ Woodling episode. But he said a few days ago Simon Benoit trying to score between the legs in front of the crease is the biggest dick energy move I've seen <laughs> of a Ducks player this season. And just in case you missed it, um, I, I've re acquired the clip I suppose found the clip Should stop, stop trying to use such big words but here we go I'll share it for those watching us on YouTube and Twitch which you can do at Quack Report Pod on both of those platforms if you feel like you're missing out um, but here is the play with the uh, shot from the point and just the beautiful move by Simon Benoit doesn't score on it unfortunately but man was he <laughs> close defender on him too Simon Benoit in front of the net, for starters, but uh, just absolute chaos. <laughs> and I love it. I'm here for it. You know what? Let's yep. put Simon Benoit as that net front guy and, um, and, and just see what happens. And if he, he can pull that shit out and if he scores on that, oh man, I'll lose my mind. Transfer him to a forward then. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we talked about this on the other episode, um, but just because it's still been in my brain since then, I uh, shall... Awarded a big energy move. It's a what now? A big energy move.
1: And because it's the biggest,
0: a big energy move.
1: Yeah. There we go. Official.
0: It's official now. Simon Benoit, you have left your legacy on this team and on this podcast. Love Congratulations it. on having a just massive duck. <laughs>
1: Oh, I love this segment. All right. Oh, it's perfect.
0: Uh, Lastly here, we just have uh, the one-up coming game against the Nashville Predators, which is a 5 p.m. Pacific start, beginning of a road trip for the Anaheim Ducks here. Um, And, oh, that's right. Uh, I totally forgot that uh, Nashville's arena flooded
1: the other day. Oh, yeah, so we might not actually be playing this game
0: potentially not um the games against columbus and colorado on i did that the wrong way but saturday and friday respectively there were both postponed due to um water main breaks apparently three feet of water in some areas
1: so, i saw it, there was a there's a clip from like their video room and it's just water pouring into it yeah it that's is not good <laughs> that's that's tough like
0: i mean it's Hopefully they've got it figured out and are in cleanup mode now, but it's not something where you can just be like, oh, just open the door and just squeegee it out. Like, you know, when yeah. <laughs> you pull into your garage in the middle of winter, I don't know, you know, this isn't even relevant for people in California, but I guess for everybody else, <laughs> you pull into your garage on a January, uh, mid-January day after coming home from work, it's blizzarded the whole time. Um, your, your car got stuck a couple of times in the alleyway trying to, get to your garage and you pull in, you kick the snow off the tires and then you squeegee it out the next morning. Yeah. You pull out because you got just a nice, nice layer of water in your garage. Yeah.
1: My favorite part about like doing this show where we're from as well is like, there's some things that we just can't relate to with Californians. There's some things that they just can't relate to with us in southern alberta. Yeah. But Including, we bond over the, our love
0: yeah. of the ducks and hockey.
1: Yeah, exactly. We just we we just apparently love bigger birds more. Uh the town next door to us had 20 emus on Thursday get loose.
0: Oh god. <laughs> Wait, you know what? We're going to save that for a what's quacking um perfect, like perfect. after but this, just, but yeah, we, just, we do have to bring it up. Just just
1: people to go yeah. what the fuck? What?
0: Yeah. Um
1: just just keep that in mind. Or sorry, yeah, not even use ostriches.
0: Ostriches, yeah, there is a difference. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I don't know. I haven't seen anything today on what's going on um, in. Uh, that does not say Nashville Predators, but thank you Google for <laughs> understanding what I was trying to get at here. Um, what? A, let's see if there's an update from them on if how things are going there. Uh, two hours ago, to all the fans, thank you for your patience. We can't wait to be back. There's an article about cleanup efforts here that I will scan. Um, Just to see if they say anything. Um, Will the players continue to prepare for Tuesday's game against Anaheim? Arena staff is working to repair the damage, get the building ready for fans to come back. Um, So, no official update on that yet, but it sounds like progress is being made and hopefully... Um, they'll be able to. We had a great schedule for Thanksgiving weekend with expectations of hosting 40,000 fans for the three hockey games. But we were unable to open our doors. We look forward to hosting 17,000 of hockey's best fans on Tuesday for our game with the Anaheim Ducks. And we thank everyone for their patience as we continue with the restoration. So they're,
1: so it um, sounds like we're good for now.
0: They're, they're optimistic that they'll be able to get it under control by um, game time, which will be 7 p.m. local time uh, in Nashville. There. so hopefully yeah. we'll 5 that p.m pacific go. yep um obviously nashville with i guess five days off in a row now with a couple games off from columbus and colorado um their last game was wednesday the 23rd a 3 nothing loss on the road to the detroit red wings um and then yeah no games on either side of this anaheim one so it'll be uh I don't know. I don't know how that one is going to go with uh, them. Obviously, not even. I, I mean, I guess they would have been able to practice at like a different location, probably. Yeah. Um. But that's yeah. Five days without a game is still uh, still tough. A little bit of a break, yeah. Um. Not, and I mean, we say all these things like they're going to matter for the uh, for the Anaheim Ducks, like winning this game <laughs> or not, but like. <laughs> At what point do you just say, okay, the Anaheim Ducks are like a scheduled win for all the other 31 NHL teams?
1: It's a scheduled point. That's for sure. Yeah. Right? Like outside of
0: the one game. Unless Wednesday. you're the Rangers.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a scheduled point. Losers. So. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean. Yeah, Nashville is currently sitting fifth in the wild card race uh, in the West. 20 games played, a 9-9-2 record for 500 on the season, point percentage. Mm. Um, at home this season, they are 6 3 and 2. Uh, and then their last 10, they've been 6 3 and 1. So. so decent.
0: Yeah. I feel like they got off to a rocky start. Like Saros wasn't quite
1: yeah. what
0: he normally is, but I think he's kind of righted the ship there.
1: Their road um, game has killed them. They're 3 6 and 0 on the road. Oh, dang.
0: Okay.
2: Um,
1: yeah. Saros with a
0: 3.06 goals against average Oof. here. Um, yeah, those are not sorrows numbers. No, definitely not, but yeah, the last few games haven't been good for him. 3-3-4 three, three, and four against uh, Arizona, Tampa, and the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, he's been just streaky.
1: Yeah. This year, like... It's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's streaky. Yeah, like
0: so, some rougher games, um, some good games, and then back to rougher games, and then good games, and yeah, just all over the place. But Lankanen, 2.5 goals against average. Um, and yeah, and he's been kind of all over the map too in his, I think, six games that was. So yeah, I mean, goaltending, you you might not know what we'll run into in Nashville, but you know what you're getting up front with uh, their forwards, Duchesne, Forsberg, Janot, writers, a new acquisition, Mikhail Granlund. Their defense, McDonough, Yossi, Ekholm. Yeah, like, they're, they're a decent team still in mm. Nashville. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think about this game here, Nate? What do you think the final score is going to be?
1: Uh, I'm going for a Nashville win, just seeing their home record alone. Um, yeah. Asheville's like a minus 12 in differential. Uh, I just want to see their last couple of games here really quickly. Yeah, sure. Especially at home. Uh, Yeah. 4-3 versus Arizona was their last home game. Uh, 3-2 overtime loss to Tampa. 5-4 Islanders. 2-1 Minnesota. 2-1 Rangers. Those so last five five game either.
0: point streak at home.
1: I'm gonna go. Hmm. I'm gonna go four one Nashville. Four
0: one Nashville. Yeah. The the tricky thing about me predicting a score for this one is the m- even bigger question mark on. Dallas Eakins and the coaching yeah. staff and, and just this team in general, like where where they're sitting. Um,
1: I, I know we can talk so much about like, oh, hey, like this would be and like this is a, like, could be a good plan or that kind of thing. Until, it's kind of like the Ducks winning in regulation. Until I see it happen, I'm not going to believe that it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah so I'm running fair. on that assumption until we see something happen. Yeah. You know,
0: I guess for like the last week, because it was a week ago that I penciled in this three nothing Seattle win, and then I left it for Wednesday when we dove in a little deeper. I I put that in there because I said this was the game that was going to get Dallas Eakins fired. We were just going to see literally zero effort, and then <laughs> Pat Verbeek will have no choice but to call an emergency press conference announcing Dallas Eakins will be relieved. And I still think that that could happen, considering the effort we saw against Ottawa and how low the morale of the team was at that point, I don't see this Seattle game... I still don't see it being any different than this 3 nothing embarrassing loss. And the only reason it's not worse is because John Gibson is still going to be making saves, and um, Seattle may just eventually take pity on us and just kind of turn it into a game of keep-away once they see the effort that we're giving back, you know? Yeah. So so with that in mind, and Dallas Eakins getting relieved on Monday, and then Tuesday is the first game of that new coach bump. I'm going to say this is going to be a 4-3 win for Anaheim. Whew, okay. Yeah. It's All not right. going to be the best game, but you know, <laughs> the offense is going to be high-flying. You know what? Fuck 4-3. That's a basic score. 5-4. Five, 5-4 four. Five, four, Anaheim. All right. And this is either going to look <laughs> genius how, like, basically a week ago, I, or at the time of the game, a week and a half prior, I predicted the whole chain of events leading up to it. And it's going to look like I'm a genius or I'm going to look like a freaking moron <laughs> predicting a five.
1: Either way. Point. It's a balls to the walls prediction. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's going to go the, the other way of that is not happening whatsoever. But yeah, I mean, probably, but
0: you know, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, That's, it's fun. That's what we're here for. <laughs> and also just comparing our scores here with, uh, I mean, we we both have not got either or either one of us have not got both the score and the team correct. Um, But in terms of just predicting the team, you've got it right 14 out of 21 times and I've only done nine. So I got some ground to make up here. So I got to start predicting differently from you in hopes that I can rack up some points. But yeah, so that's there's also that, you know, competitive um, gamesmanship (laughs) uh, there. It's which is between the factor, two of us for but, predictions <laughs> yeah which there's literally zero prize on the line it's, it, it's not even yeah. like really for bragging rights it's just for fun but um, because I'm a competitive person by nature I've got to uh, <laughs> I, I still need to be right and I need to win even if it's not a game so I love um, it. yeah okay well I think that's all we had for oh no we've got to talk about the ostriches very briefly Oh, my
1: God. I thought we were saving that for next episode <laughs> oh we can I thought we were having the what's what's quacking on the on the Wednesdays, unless you want me to talk about it right now, because we can talk I mean, about it. We can st- I still have other stuff that like we could have lined up for for Sunday or for Wednesday.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't we don't really have a ton to talk about for this. It's just like wild that it happened.
1: But um, all right. Sure. Fair but, enough. All right. So Thursday, um, we're Thursday starts, in
0: southern Alberta.
1: Yeah. In southern Alberta, Um, it's about a half an hour drive from us in a town called Tabor uh come out news reports and facebook videos of uh the report was 20 ostriches got loose from a farm and we're running An rampant <laughs> yeah we're running rampant uh around the town of tabor which is not a very big town what's the what's the population of tabor uh a
0: few thousand maybe
1: yeah it's uh Eight thousand four hundred as of twenty sixteen, so it's a little outdated, maybe. Yeah. Um. All right, actually, twenty twenty uh, has eight thousand seven hundred and eleven, so it's it's not a very okay. big place. No, like you dr- like you can drive one end of it to the other in what five minutes. Yeah. Kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not a very big place. So anyway, videos start circulating of these ostriches <laughs> roaming the streets and whatnot the The one that really got it got around was uh, this one ostrich that got on uh, one of the main highways in Alberta. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, RCMP, which are like your state officers, basically. there are federal police force here in Canada.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um the mounties, I guess that's might that might be how people know them more as, um are like chasing around like these ostriches in their vehicles. And the video that's going around, though, is this one where this guy like reaches out the like the passenger window and basically like clotheslines this yeah. ostrich's neck, <laughs> like yeah. tries to grab him by the throat, basically, and it just lodges the ostrich to the ground, but gets up and like walks off kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so, so the, the guy did the that, and then had around. no follow up plan of like, okay, now I got to get yeah <laughs> out of the vehicle with a little bit of haste, and you know, <laughs> do some cattle roping. Again, that's probably another reference that does, is flying over the people from Orange County. Oh no, th-
1: no, there's no, there's, there's farms in that in Orange County, but um,
0: yeah, I, I don't know if there's like rodeos though. Oh, well, maybe, I don't know. Eh, good. Uh, Anyways, uh, anyway, you know, <laughs> s- tie up, subdue in some way this ostrich that you've now clotheslined yeah. and tackled to the ground. <laughs>
1: Um, it very quickly spread around. We like I had a buddy who lives like five, six hours north, um, which is the great thing about the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. like messaging us in like this massive group chat that we have. like did you guys see this? And I was just like, oh my God. Um, unfortunately, one of the ostriches did die. However, the 19 mm-hmm. of the 20 were corralled and brought back to the farm. Uh, for those wondering, the one ostrich that got hit, Or that that died, uh, got hit by a car. And yeah, they were just like (laughs)
0: running across the highway. Like they were
1: I could just imagine the how many people in the in the world do you think can say, like, unfortunately, yeah, I've hit an ostrich with my car.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like where they in Canada, Canada, probably not many.
1: Yeah, like where they aren't running wild, right? Like Where (laughs) where are ostriches
0: even native to? Do you know?
1: I'm not sure offhand.
0: Huh, you just Google ostriches, and like all the articles that come up are like Stabers. about police trying to wrangle <laughs> these ostriches. Um, I love it. Oh, holy shit! Okay, this no wonder this was such a problem. The common ostrich can run at speeds of up to 70 kilometers an hour.
1: Okay, so what's that for miles? For, for miles, American
0: yeah. Um, essentially, it's like highway speeds in within the city. Um, <laughs> per hour, two miles. Um, Forty, 43 and a half miles per hour. Jesus. <laughs> so, they're, it's, it's, they're, they're tough to catch. Like, they, like, they're you can't fuckers. just, yeah, like, you can't just, like, they're, they're, they they're would get a speeding ticket within the city <laughs> if they were a vehicle, right? That's like incredible. So, like, you got to, you can't just, like, chase it on foot, obviously, and, like, you're zipping through residential neighborhoods at highway speeds trying to catch <laughs> these ostriches. Damn, that's insane. Um, anyways, we're looking up where they are native to. Yeah. Um, Africa. The common ostrich is native to uh, Africa, like, Sub-Saharan Africa, and the Somali ostrich is native to the Horn of Africa.
1: Like, I know we have a lot of animals in Canada, at least, that, like, aren't native to here. Like, horses aren't native to here. Mm -hmm. Like, who's the fucker that just decided, you know what, I need to bring my ostrich. Yeah, right. (laughs) I need to bring my ostriches to North America. And, like,
0: also, what (laughs) (laughs) What, what do ostriches provide? Like, I'm assuming in Africa, there would be like the equivalent of like turkeys, you know, where like you could raise them for meals, I, I, I maybe. Do I do not know. know. I do um, not know. Do All I know is just
1: don't piss one off. <laughs> eat ostriches?
0: <laughs> ostrich meat is becoming a part of it. I, yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess you can also eat ostrich eggs. Can you ride? Okay,
1: actually it? no, that one I think I have heard before.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: It's not like a uh, North American thing, but I think I have heard that.
0: Yeah. Ostrich riding is available and even a common tourist pastime in countries like South Africa. Um,
1: okay, that one I have heard, yes.
0: Yeah, but like for Canada and an American in <laughs> general, what's the what's the purpose of an ostrich of having an ostrich, you know? Like Not sure. What do you do with an ostrich
2: <laughs> <laughs> like
1: You're, in Canada? Your your browser right now is just like the fuck is what? this guy on?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like th- I might get a call from the uh the FBI or the CIA being like, Date, what are you what are you doing with ostriches? Do you have do we we you have a warrant out that we need to search your backyard for ostriches? <laughs> Um, ostrich meat, leather, and feathers have a high commercial value huh ostrich farm, Canada um, can you farm ostrich in Canada, here we go this is for Ontario, but what, what do Ontario farmers use ostriches for eggs, it seems like
2: okay that's kind of a...
1: And like petting zoos, but they're like the one animal don't pet this thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: view, view them from afar. Yep. There's a, there's yeah, There's a fence around the fence because of their long necks.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, this is just an article about one guy who's selling ostrich eggs in Ontario. Huh. Ontario, Canada, that is.
1: So Alright, there we yeah.
0: go. <laughs> so I mean, we, we still don't really know why they were here, what they were doing, but they escaped and it caused chaos and it was
1: hilarious. Yeah. If you if you'd like to see a funny well, okay, no, actually. You know what? No, I guess we've I guess I've called out uh the challenge for PETA here uh, on the show before. Anyway, um yeah, if you if you want to Feel bad as you're laughing at an ostrich get fucking clotheslined by a a cop. Uh, <laughs> you can easily go find that video on uh, on social oh, media.
0: Oh yeah, ostrich Alberta is ostrich Canada.
1: Ostrich That's all you Tabor. To
0: Any one of yeah. those would get in there if you if you don't think you're gonna remember Tabor, just Alberta yeah. Canada whatever. That's all you gotta search. Yeah. So or ostrich escape. It, it, it's out there anyways. So yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, really quickly before we end off here. I have a question for you Nate. All right. Would you rather <laughs> oh god <laughs> be chased by a um what's the word for it like a like a cat, like a predatory cat, like a like a, a large cat, like a panther, tiger, lion. Okay. Would we'll take your take your pick. Any any large cat
2: okay. or an
0: ostrich?
1: Ostrich, because apparently you can clothesline those fuckers.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but like you're being chased by them. They're like, it's coming for you.
1: Yeah, quick stop, race. Right it's about to get you.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I feel like with a, a cat, like a tiger or a cheetah or anything like that, you could appeal to its, um, like cat like domesticated instincts, I don't think know?
1: so, <laughs> yeah, no, like if not uh, a wild one at least,
3: <laughs> well, yeah, well,
0: like one that was like not like th- like the most wild one, but like one that had been like around people generally like has seen people like not like in a zoo, like not like a domesticated one, but say, like a a tiger in Africa who lived on a common tourist route and was used to like the noise of the the people coming by and like their carts and uh, eventually got comfortable enough to come up to people and you know sniff and stuff like that. But then one day it decided to chase you.
1: I'm still not taking my chances. No, no, no. way in hell. I'm still not doing it. I don't it. know.
0: I feel like <laughs> you could, uh, if if you happen to have a laser pointer on you, you could appeal to. To that or like you grab a, <laughs> like one of those big like those big big leaves like a i think they're called like a monstera leaf or, or something like that and you could like dangle it in front of it and it would lay down and like scratch at it or something like that
1: all right i propose a scientific test okay you go get fucking chased by a panther and i will go get chased by an ostrich and we will see who lives to give the results of said test
0: potentially neither one of us the podcast <laughs> might just cease to exist but so if it ever just you get radio silence from us that's what <laughs> happened but um i don't know i feel like y- you could pull some scooby-doo shit if you were getting chased by one of those large cats <laughs> You, you could turn it into from like a I'm going to eat you chase into like a oh, let's just play and have fun kind of thing. Or like you could distract it in some way. Even if it's like, I don't know, getting, like just, just tripping somebody else. Then the cat would be like, oh, well, this is easier. I'm just going to go for this one instead. But with an ostrich, if an ostrich was chasing you, it's got like a vendetta for you. Like it's got a grudge where it's like it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you... You, you know, make it laugh or, or you tackle it and then get into a tickle fight with it or you, you you could trip it and you could try and distract it with, I don't know, plants or whatever ostriches eat. It, it's coming for you. It's, it's going out of its way to hunt you down. So I, I think I would... All right, you, I, I you wouldn't stand you, a chance against either one of them, but the odds are 99%... Point nine or 99.9% death against a cat like a large cat and a 100% chance of death against an ostrich.
1: Okay, you know what? Let's uh let's ask the Calgary Zoo if they'd be willing to let us test this uh because they do have ostriches at the Calgary Zoo as well. Oh, really? Um yeah. So uh yeah, we can, we can ask we can, we can ask the Calgary Zoo, "Hey, will you let us test um between a I don't know. Let's pick, let's pick a Jaguar and an ostrich. <laughs> hmm. <Yeah.
0: Jesus. laughs> this is... Um, uh, lastly here, from Quora.com. The non-hockey shit that we talk about on the show. <laughs> I know, it's it's wild. We, we had a lot of hockey conversation for the first bit, so now we're just having fun. <laughs> so on Quora.com, somebody asked, how many people are killed each year by unlikely animals? So this is open-ended question for unlikely animals. The top response... List a few different animals, but the first one they say are ostriches, and these birds kill about seven people every year, which isn't a lot, but it's more than you would think. Yeah. So, how many? Uh, here, let's go. Um, jaguar. You said that. Jaguar deaths per year, and then we'll and then we'll wrap up. Jaguars, average of twenty four deaths per year. So, like, yeah, it's more. But it's not that many more. It's not like, oh, thousands of people are killed by jaguars every year, and then only seven for ostriches. like I mean, that's animals. quite a it's quite
1: a bit more well, yeah, but like I, in my mind, that's I was like thinking another oh, like it's like that's like three and a half times as many people if I'm doing that math right off the top. no, my yeah, head. you're right, no, it is,
0: it is, and it's still tragic that twenty four people die from a jaguar every year, but like. In my mind it was okay, jaguar's kill <laughs> thousands of people every year and ostriches only 7. <laughs> panthers 27. Um oh no wait, this is how many this is how many panthers are killed each year. Okay. Um
1: oh my god.
0: People deaths per year by panther. <laughs> Why is it giving me the, Yeah. I don't know, what, it doesn't matter. what has
1: this show become? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Anyways, let us know in the comments <laughs> if you would rather be chased by an ostrich or a large cat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll just start the wrap up because I don't know yeah, how much more self we can go on this episode. Um, <laughs> if, if If you want to just, you know, secretly. Let me know that, yeah, Carter is absolutely fucked getting chased by the cat compared to me or anybody else by an ostrich. Uh, you can message me on Twitter at Namas T-A-T-E-N-H-O-M-A-S, or you can just publicly tweet it at me, and I will tag Carter in it anyway. Yeah, that works too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, if uh, if you think I'm in the right here, or actually, you know what? Better, if, if anybody has ever um, been chased by an ostrich, or had an experience with an ostrich. Or you know what? Even if you've just eaten ostrich and meat otherwise. Let us let us know. Let, if anybody has any more info on ostriches, just in general, I would love to hear it. At Carter underscore pots, P-O-T-T-S underscore 97. Thank you guys very much for tuning in to this roller coaster of an episode where we went from firing Dallas Eakins and how much the ducks suck to ostriches. Um, thank you very much. Go Dex go. We will see you next time.